please. Open your Bible to the book of Philippians. Our kids are dismissed at this time. The book of Philippians chapter 2. The book of Philippians chapter 2, and we will begin reading in verse 1. just want to give our kids a moment to get out of the sanctuary. Amen. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 1, when you got it, say so. It says, therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy... Fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. That nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each, of, let each of you look not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus." who being in the form of God did not consider a robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth, and of those under the earth, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Lord, thank you so much for your word that is true. Thank you for your presence that is real. And thank you for this opportunity that we have to gather to worship your name, to hear your truth. Lord God, we ask that you would open our ears this morning in these next few moments, that you would give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying to your church I pray that you would awaken our heart to truth in a fresh way. I pray that you would be glorified in the preaching and hearing of your word. And may we not only be hearers, but may we be doers of it. We thank you for this, Lord God, and we pray all of this in Jesus' strong name. And everyone said, amen. amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I think we ran out of outlines. I don't, yes, okay, ran out of outlines. Well, thank you all for taking all the outlines. That's great. So... Um, if you have an outline, you can follow along with me in the, in the introduction of the message here. And if you look there, uh, we're, obviously we're continuing on in our Engage with God series. So we're continuing in this series, Engage with God. And today I want to talk about engaging with God in service. Engaging with God in service. One of the greatest things in your outline you have there that one of the greatest marks of the love of God is the servanthood of Jesus that is displayed in the incarnation, God becoming man, and in particular, his substitutionary death. We've been talking about the love of God. We, we, we've been expressing God's love and how great, how vast, and how powerful it is. And what we realize is that if, if anyone ever asks the question, how do you know God loves you, you go back to the cross. Because the cross reminds us constantly of God's love for us, that God showed us his love by sending his son to die in our place and becoming a man, which is what these scriptures are talking about today. The Almighty, if you, second part there of the introduction, the Almighty willingly, that word is very important. 
No one forced God to do this. No one made Jesus do this. The Almighty willingly came to this earth, became flesh, lived perfectly, and died unjustly. He became the ultimate servant, and this is who you and I are called to imitate. The bar is kind of high, is it not? The ultimate servant of the Lord is, is the one that you and I are called to serve. You and I are called to imitate Jesus. We're called to live as he would live if he was still walking this earth today. So he makes himself known through us. So here's the thing that I want you to think about this morning. The servant sacrifice of Jesus should motivate us to serve and sacrifice for Jesus. The servant sacrifice of Jesus should motivate us to serve and sacrifice for Jesus. What is the thing that motivates our hearts? What is the thing that moves us to serve, whether it is in our marriages, whether it is with our children, whether it is in our communities where we are, whether it is in the church, what is it that is our motivation? Is it someone who motivates us? Is it something that motivates us? Or is it the sacrifice of Jesus that motivates us. Because what should move us as followers of Jesus, this is a beautiful thing, is that if you are a follower of Christ, you now have a different motivation for all you do in life. As a follower of Jesus, you now have the ultimate motivation that never changes. Because here's the thing, you can wake up one day and you're serving someone who is servable. Hallelujah. Right? You, you wake up one day and, and you're serving someone who is nice and, and says thank you and I appreciate you. And that motivates you to serve, right? Any, anybody ever have that experience, right? You, you do something for someone when they say thank you, you like, man, I want to do that again. But have you ever served someone that didn't say thank you? <laughs> you, ever, you ever served someone, you, you ever done something for somebody and then the only thing they could see was everything you didn't do? Or how you could have done it better than the way that you did it. You, you, you've served that person, right? You've never been that person. <laughs> I, I confess, I have been that person on too many occasions that I would like to admit. But, 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 but the truth is, when you, when you have the person in your life who you serve or the situation that motivates you to serve, that's beautiful. But here's the fact. The fact is that things in our life change often, up and down. People are grateful or people are ungrateful. Situations turn out the way that we hope they did when we serve, and sometimes we serve and they don't turn out the way that we hope they did. But here is the fact. The fact is, no matter the situation, no matter the circumstance, you and I are called to engage with God in service. You and I are called to serve God no matter what. And again, our motivation is one that never changes. When, when people are ungrateful, when people don't appreciate you, when circumstances don't turn out the way that you thought they would in your service, you can always come back to the cross and say, thank you, Jesus. Because there are plenty of times that I was not grateful, even after coming to know you. There are plenty of times that I did not reciprocate your service to me by living for your glory. There are plenty of times that I, that, that I have not been the most grateful child, and yet you came and you died for me. You gave it all. Here's what I want you to repeat after me first, please. To engage with God, engage with God. in service, in service. Requires, requires an attitude adjustment. 
To engage with God in service requires an attitude adjustment. It requires something. And what, what, I, what, what I love is these words here. If you look at verse 5, we're going to jump down to verse 5. We'll come back to verse 1 in a moment. But verse 5, the Apostle Paul, again, writing to the church in Philippi, is, is communicating to them about their need for unity and, and their need to be a, of one mind and one accord. And as he's writing them this, he says these words. He says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. In another translation, it says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. In another translation, it says, adopt this attitude. I, I like the thought of adopt because uh, when you adopt a, a child, when you adopt something, what, what happens is you are taking something that is not yours and making it yours. And so when, 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 when the Apostle Paul is writing this to the church of Philippi, he is telling the church to do something that is not natural to have this mindset. It's, it's, it's not natural in us to have this kind of servant mindset that Jesus has before us. So we'll, we'll look at this verse in a moment. I mean, we'll look further down in this verse in a moment. But, but, but think about this. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So think about it for a moment. Is your attitude always aligned with the mind of Christ when it comes to serving? Is your attitude always aligned with the mind of Christ when it comes to serving? See, when I, when I think about Pastor Aldo, he was sharing his story, which is, is so moving, right? When, when you think about the loss of a child, and thank you because you gave me a teachable moment. Now I have to go explain to Josiah exactly what happened there. Um, <laughs> and so, but it's all good. <laughs> He's like, did they lose a child? I'm like, Yes, that we'll talk about that. <laughs> but, but, but such a moving reality, right, and so transparent and so raw, how we can become angry, we can, be, we can become offended, we can become hurt, we can become bothered, and then our attitude changes toward God. When, when, when th listen, when, whenever, whenever, hear me now, Whenever things don't turn out the way that we want, especially when we are serving with all of our heart, our hearts will change. Our hearts, will, our attitudes will change. And so what happens is in his, in his testimony to us, there was a moment where the Lord just confronted him in love. Am I still good, right? Am I still God? Am I still good? We can always look back at the cross because he never changes. He never, ever changes. But this is supposed to be our attitude. So what is our greatest aim and our greatest desire? Well, it should be what? It should be that we desire to please God, that we desire to love God with all of our being. The question is, what does that look like? What does it look like to love God with all of our being? And then, and then you know, the church answer, right? The correct answer is always Jesus, right? Like, well, we look at Jesus. And, but it's true because when we look at Jesus, Jesus is the greatest example of what it means to love the Father. He's the greatest example of what it means to walk in perfect obedience to the Father's love. Law. He's the perfect example of what it means to maintain unbroken harmony with the Father's will. He's the perfect example of what it means to fulfill the mission that he was sent to accomplish. But I want you to understand this. The, 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 the obedience that Jesus has, the humility that Jesus demonstrates is rooted in this attribute of love. For God so loved the world that he gave. 
Jesus comes and dies in our place. He does everything that is expressed here because of love. He humbles himself because of love. So what should we be doing? We should be praying that God would flood our hearts with his love. We should be praying that what the scriptures say, that the Holy Spirit is pouring out his love into our hearts, that that becomes a reality in our lives because when the love of God is being poured out into our hearts, then guess what? We can walk in humility and we continue in service even when things aren't the way that we want them to be. We can continue to serve with the right heart, with the right, ma- with, with, with the right mindset. And so here's what I want you to realize because, again, I don't want you to disconnect this uh, idea of loving from what it is. But if we are to successfully love God, we will inevitably have to love others the same way he loved and loves us. Hello. If we are going to successfully love God, we are going to have to love others. We are going to have to love, and not just love them. Come on now. We are going to have to love them the way that he loves us. That's different love. Because it's easy to love people when they love you back, just like it's easy to serve them when they say thank you. <laughs> but it's difficult to love people when they're difficult. Come on now. <laughs> It's, it's, it's difficult to love people when <clears throat> they've hurt you or, or whatever. It's, it's difficult, but that, that's what Jesus' love does. And so we have to love others. And this love is rooted in a humility that produces not just service, but servants. So you understand this. God is not trying to give you a task. He's trying to give you a new heart. He's not just giving you a to-do list of things like say, hey, I gave you this gift and I've called you to do A, B, C, and D with it. He's not giving you a to-do list. He wants to give you a heart. He wants to give me a heart. He, he wants to change me from being a person who thinks about myself to being a person who thinks about others. He wants to transform us. And as he do that, as, as we look upon the sacrifice of Christ, and so this, this particular passage, we'll keep reading here, this particular passage is known as the kenosis passage, or what, what that, that, that Greek word kenosis, it means to empty, is what it says here. And so I want you to see this passage in a different, uh, in a different version. Uh, this is the New Living Translation. It says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. Right there. You see that right there? He gave up his divine privileges. That's where it's explaining where he emptied himself. He gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. This is, this is what Jesus did, being in the, being in the form of God. We, 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 a few weeks ago, we talked about Isaiah 6 and the vision that Isaiah has of heaven. This is important because this is a vision that is pre-incarnate Jesus. And in this vision, we see God on his throne high and lifted up and, and, and the glory that is surrounding him. And, and what we realize is this, is that Jesus was surrounded in that glory before he came to this earth. He was already being worshipped. He was already being adored as part of the Godhead. He was already, he didn't need to come down here, hear me now, in order for him to be glorified. Are you, are you hearing me? He, 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 didn't need, he didn't need to do that. Now, in the divine plan of God, he is the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundation of the world. So in that sense, he had to go through this in order to be glorified, but he didn't need to leave that. 
in order to be surrounded with glory. And yet what does he do? He leaves his position of glory, right? He, he divests himself. He takes off his rights as God. He puts on these other clothing, right? He puts on this flesh. He experiences hunger. He experiences temptation. He experiences all of the things that you and I experience so he can be a God that can, can, can understand what we're going through. He can sympathize with us as we are going through this life, as we are experiencing things in this world. He puts all of that on, not just that. He lives perfectly. He never does anything wrong. He makes, he makes himself, and I like this translation, as a slave. In the, in the New King James that I read, as a bondservant. He comes as a slave. He comes here. He subjects himself to all of this perfect and then dies unjustly for us. This is the gospel we, we, we proclaim. The death that we deserved, he endured for us. The shame that we deserve, he endured for us. The suffering that we deserve, he endured for us. He comes to this earth, and he dies. And I love the end of this verse in, in, this, in this translation because it says he dies a criminal's death. See, that's the thing. He didn't just die like a normal death. He died like the worst death of that time. This was, this was the execution. This was lethal injection. This was the electric chair. That is what the cross was. And he subjects himself to this for our good. He empties himself for our good. And here's, here's why this is so important for us. Because, again, this is what our faith relies on, what Christ did. But here's the other thing that I want you to realize. The scripture says, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. And so here's what I want you to know, is that servants can't be full of themselves. So if we are going to be servants, we have to empty ourselves as well. The second thing, I ask you to repeat after me is this, say to engage with God, engage with God. in service, service. Demands, demands selflessness. selflessness. Say demands, demands. Selflessness. selflessness. Are you a selfish person? I never realized how selfish I was until I got married and had kids. Hallelujah. <laughs> I thought I was a pretty sharing person. Oldest of six. I remember being, you know, younger. My grandfather would take me to the store, be like, hey, you want something? I'm like, yeah, but I got to get something for my brother. I thought I was a sharing guy. Hmm. Hallelujah. Let me just let you know I am selfish. And I must die to my selfishness always. But what does it mean? I just said we have to empty ourselves. What does it mean to empty ourselves? Because it, unlike Jesus, right, we're not God like he was. But here's the thing. If we are honest with ourselves, if we're honest with ourselves, each of us acts like we are our own God on some level. Each of us acts as though we, we are autonomous, as though we run our own lives. We do what we want to do. We live how we want to live. We do things according to our schedule, our time. We, we, we live our lives like we are God. 
And what we have to do if we're going to be like Christ is we have to empty ourselves. Let's go back up to verse 1. Verse 1 says, therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy. And as I was reading this, this is, this is more of a statement than it is a question. And he is saying because of the consolation or because of the encouragement that there is in Christ, because of the comfort of love that is in Christ, because of the fellowship of the Spirit, because of the affection and mercy. See, these are all products of us coming to faith in Christ, right? We, we are encouraged to live for the glory of God. We are comforted by the love of God. We experience fellowship with the Spirit of God. And God changes our heart and places affection and mercy one for the other. The apostle Paul is encouraging them to do what? He's encouraging them, I love this, fulfill my joy. What brings him joy? Look what he says. He says, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. You see, the apostle's encouragement, again, is more of a statement than questions, and what he is saying is, fulfill my joy. What do you think makes the greatest joy in the heart of a shepherd? It is to see the people of God walking in unity of mind, in unity of heart, in unity of mission. Why? Because we're called to be one. We're called to walk in unity with the heart of God. We're called to walk in unity in the love of God. We're called to walk in unity on the mission that God has for the church. And so this is what any, any pastor, any leader wants. He wants to see the people of God unified around the love of God unified around the purposes of God. And this is what the apostle Paul is encouraging them to do. And then he goes on, he says this, he says verse 3, this, and in and, and this verse, man, when I was studying this uh, two weeks ago, as, as I was sitting down, this verse just was jumping out of the page at me. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. And I just kept reading that first part. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. I, I, I want to read this in, a, in another translation. It says this. It says, don't be selfish. Pretty simple. Don't be selfish. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Selfish ambition, conceit. Want others to be impressed with you. That's not, that's not how we live as Christians. Do not be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourself. How do you think of others? How do you think of others? You think of others as better than you? Or you feel like you're the most important person in the room? You feel like your opinion is the most important in the conversation? Think of others as better than you. Hey, that's what Jesus did, is it not? 
He looked at us as instead of staying in glory, he humbled himself, came down from glory. He, 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 he releases himself for, for a moment. He, he takes off those attributes for a moment. And, and listen, and I, I just want to let you know, this is one of the most difficult things to understand. How could Jesus be fully God and fully man at the same time? I mean, that's, that's, they've been talking about that. They will talk about it until eternity comes. I'm just saying. So it's, it's not something we can fully grasp, but that's what happened. He comes to earth, and, and, and he's here, empties himself of certain things for a moment, and yet we see glimpses of it, and, and yet he's still God and fully man, and he's here in this earth, but he does that. So how do you think of others? Do we think of others as better than ourselves? I love this. This is how you know how you think about others. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. Do you think other people have things that are important to them? That's how you know if you really think of others in the right way. Do you look at them and say, man, their needs might be important as well. Their desires might be important as well. I'm not talking about sinful desires. I'm just talking about genuine things that people have needs of. And so, again, we have to think this way. Because what? Because this is how we are imitating Christ by not being, by not being selfish by being selfless. See, when we, when we, whenever we are, we are looking at the cross, whenever we're seeking to imitate Jesus in his selflessness, you know what it causes us to do? It causes us to address our own selfishness. And so we want to overcome that. The third thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, to engage with God in service, in service. Promises, promises the greatest reward. To engage with God in service promises the greatest reward. Reward. To follow Jesus faithfully, and if you're taking notes, you should write this down. To follow Jesus faithfully will cost you your life. For those of you that were in Connect this week, you, you were probably confronted with some, with some stuff about what it means to worship God. What it, what, it, what it means to give God all glory. God, listen, I, I, was, sharing, I was sharing a story uh, of years ago. We had a, my wife's cousin. Uh, her husband is a clown for Jesus. Hallelujah. And I say that jokingly, but he has traveled the world doing this act. He has seen tons of people come to faith in Christ. And so years back when we were in the other building, we invited him to come on a Sunday and people thought that he was going to kids' church. <laughs> but he wasn't. He was coming to big church. <laughs> and he came to the main sanctuary, and he's, he's, I mean, he's clowned up. I mean, you know, got the big shoes on, big, I mean, everything. And, you know, all my legalist friends were like, what are you doing? Even the people who were not legalists yet were like, what is going on in this church? <laughs> and he gets up there, and he starts doing his act. And people are still looking at him sideways and stuff like that. Like, what is wrong with Bishop? Like, why has he got a clown up in here? And at the end of that particular act, he, he gets up there, he does kind of a pantomime type thing to a song. And in this song, it's God asking for something. And so he has a little basket. In this basket, he has a teddy bear. And he puts a teddy bear out and he says, here, you want this? And God says, nope, I don't want that. And in the basket, he has money. And he grabs the money and he goes like this. And God is like, nope, I don't want that. And in the basket, he had a little balloon, and the balloon was, was shaped as a heart. He blows the balloon up and he goes like this. And that's what God says, yes, that's what I want. God doesn't want just some things that we can give him. He doesn't want a couple of hours of our week. He wants everything. 
He wants all of it. And the truth is this, is that if you and I are going to follow Jesus faithfully, the same way that it costs him his life, it's going to cost us our life. Now listen, salvation is a free gift that God gives because of the sacrifice that Jesus made. But that is the only thing that is free. Hello. That is it. You Listen, you, you, you are given a right to have a relationship with the God of heaven because of what Jesus did, because of the sacrifice that Jesus made. You Listen, you and I have that privilege that we could never earn for ourselves. I need you to know that. But once we come to Christ, if we are going to be faithful in following him, if we are going to be faithful, it's not going to cost us a couple of things. It is going to cost us everything. That is what it means to engage God in service. It's not enough just to have a checklist of things that we do. See, this is the thing, church. We should feel the sacrifices we are making. Now, I want you to think about your life right now. I, I, I want you to think about, our, would you say, man, I am living a sacrificial life for Christ? Would you say that? Hmm. I want you to hold your place right there in Philippians. I want you to turn with me back to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, I want you to look at this. Verse 16. It says, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Amen. That's encouraging, is it not? <laughs> Come on, be encouraged. <laughs> This, this is good. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Woo. It's encouraging. Heirs. Heirs mean inheritors. Right? Amen. She got it. We're, we're inheritors, glory to God. We have an inheritance that is promised to us. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him. Oh, that changes a little bit, doesn't it? <laughs> the small print. <laughs> the spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. We are there in relationship with him. If indeed we suffer with him, that we, also, that we may also be glorified together. And look at these words. These are the words that are super encouraging. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Listen, I know... I know we don't, we, don't, we don't talk about suffering as like something that we want to do as Christians. But if we're followers of Jesus and, and we're joint heirs with Christ and we're children of God, then we have to suffer with him. Sincerely, is your Christianity costing you anything? Not an hour and 12 minutes on a Sunday. That's where we're at right now, praise the Lord. No, is it costing you your life? 
Because when we look at Jesus, it cost him his. And when we follow him, it should cost us ours. We should be able to look at our lives genuinely and be like, man, following Jesus, this cost. But we should be encouraged by these words. Our present sufferings aren't comparable to the glory we're going to see. What we're going through now, see, you know what the problem is? Here's the problem. The problem is we all want the glory now. And listen, I'm just like you. I like good vacations. I like, I like to experience. I like to enjoy life. I'm just like everybody in this room. And so I'm not preaching this like to you, like I'm over here suffering. Up. No, no, no. What I'm saying is we have to ask the question, is following Jesus costing our lives? And if it is not costing you your life, then you need to ask God, God, forgive me for living comfortably in light of the great sacrifice you've made. Forgive me for living as though my life is my own and your sacrifice really doesn't matter. See, what is the result? Well, let's go back to this uh, chapter 2 of Philippians. What is the result? The result that Jesus suffered and sacrificed was that the Father responded by exalting him to give him glory above all else. The scripture goes on to tell us, it says, it says, therefore, God, because of the death that he, that he died, verse 9, therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given, the, given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Hmm. See, the... the the beauty of, of serving Christ is that we know that he suffered, we know that he died, but we know he was glorified and he rose again. See, the beauty is that we know that that same glory that he has, we're going to experience one day. Hallelujah. See, no matter what we suffer in this life, we know that there is coming a day. See, that's what we live for. The problem is that we, that, that we get so caught up in this world, in this realm, we, we, we don't even look forward to the glory that is to come. Life can be so good here that we're not looking forward to the day that we are with him for all of eternity, being, being in his presence in a, in a state where there is no more suffering, where there is no more sorrow. See, we have to look forward to that day. Here's what I believe. I believe that as we take the posture of sacrificial servants, laying our lives down for the glory of God and the good of others, God glorifies us by manifesting his resurrection power in us. Here's what he does. He reveals himself through us. See, Jesus elevated, glorified, all the way up to the time of his crucifixion. Other people's hands were on him. Other people were giving him names, blasphemer, drunkard, glutton, all, you know, liar, all, all this stuff. But once the death of Jesus happened, no longer was any man's hand on him. God the Father was glorifying him. And see, when we surrender our lives to him, this, he does the same thing. He puts his hand on us, and he brings glory through us to him. Hallelujah. He manifests his power through us. Here's the, here's the question. This is the question that remains. The question is, what glory are you living for? Are you living for the, glain, the, the vain glories of this life? Are you living for the accolades of men? Are you living for the achievements that will die with us? Or are you living for a glory that is beyond this life? That's the question. What glory are you living for? And here's my closing question. Is there anything, see, the scripture says that every knee will bow. Every knee will bow. Every knee, listen, whether now or then, 
every knee will bow. Every knee will bow to Jesus as Lord. I would much rather we bow now than later. For you in here, if you haven't bowed your knees to Jesus, if you haven't humbled your heart to him, today is the opportunity to do that. That is the reason why Jesus came and died, to offer you new life, to offer you a new name, to offer you new hope. That's what this is about. And so the question is this, is there anything hindering you from bowing to Jesus now, serving him as Lord? Not just saying, I need you as a savior, but saying, I surrender to you as Lord. See, because following Jesus isn't just about saying, I need you to save me. Oh, yes, that's for sure. I need you to save me from my sin, but I also recognize you are Lord, and I'm going to serve you. So I'm going to ask you to stand to me, stand with me if you would. I'll invite our prayer team to come forward. If you would just bow your heads for a moment. If you're in this place and you have not bowed your knees to Jesus, if you have not humbled yourself before him, if you have not committed your life to him, today is an opportunity for you to do that. And so if you haven't... If you haven't surrendered your life to Christ and today you say, Lord, I want to surrender my life to you. I want you to be Lord of my life. I want you to be Savior of my life. Then I invite you to come forward. Let us pray with you. I ask you to come forward. Let us pray with you. Let us, let us pray that the Lord would strengthen you. If you're a brother or sister in here and you're like, man, I, I have said yes to Jesus, but I have not let Jesus be Lord of my life. I've, I've received his salvation. I've received his gift, but I'm not serving him as Lord. I'm not bowing to him as Lord. And God, I don't want to be bound by anything else. I want to serve you as Lord above all. Maybe that's you in this place. We want to pray with you as well. If you want someone to pray with you, then as we, as we worship the Lord in this moment, I would ask you to come forward as well. Let me pray, and then Minister Hector will lead us. Father, we come before you in this moment, Lord. We humble our hearts before you, God. And Lord, you know each and every one of our hearts. You know our position before you. Lord, you know if you are Lord of our lives or not. And I pray for those in here that you are not Lord of their lives or those that are listening online. God, I pray for them that in this moment that they would hear that same still small voice that Pastor Aldo talked about, Lord God, that they would hear you calling them that they would hear you calling them to turn to you, to submit to you, to surrender to you. I pray, Lord, for my brothers and my sisters that are in this place that are struggling in their lives, Lord, to, to surrender to you as Lord. They know that they are not submitted to you as you call them to be. I pray this morning, Lord, that they would not leave this place without responding to you as you have spoken to them today. And I also pray, Lord God, for anyone in this place that is sick in their bodies. I pray for anyone in this place that is broken. I pray for anybody in this place that is hurting. I pray that they would encounter you now, Lord God, with your great love, your great power, your great presence. I pray that your kingdom would come in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. If you want to come forward, you can come forward. We'll pray with you.